Thanks for joining us today. Uh, the Center for Teaching and Learning is showcasing faculty innovations in and out of the classroom. And we're trying to create a space where faculty members can share ideas and learn from each other's experiences. Um, this is one of a series of informal conversations. Each time we ask the faculty member to describe and perhaps demonstrate some of their innovative practices. Today, we're speaking with Assistant Professor Nicole Kamarodin. She's in the Department of Behavioral Sciences in the College of Arts and Sciences. Nicole started at New York Tech in fall 2019 after a stint at Farmingdale State College in the Psychology Department. Nicole is an avid user of multiple educational technologies, including Canvas, Google Suite, Pull Everywhere, and of course, Zoom. She teaches several different courses. I think we're all avid users of Zoom these days. <laughs> she teaches several courses in the behavioral science program, including statistical analysis, introductory research methods, and the physiological basis of behavior. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Which of these courses, or another course that I didn't mention, which course is your absolute favorite to teach? It is really hard for me to pick, uh, but I really do love teaching research methods. Uh, I really enjoy, it's a course that's very writing intensive uh, and the students get this really hands-on experience with research uh, and doing great projects. Uh, and it's really enjoyable to just see the students develop their projects and also their writing uh, develop over the semester. Do they each do independent projects? Do they work in teams? Uh, small small groups, yeah. Each, uh, each uh, student works in a group of usually somewhere between three and five students, uh, and they work with a faculty mentor uh, to kind of guide them through from kind of idea and coming up with uh, design and everything um, through writing the paper. So are you mentoring all the groups when you teach the course, or is it spread through the department? How does I'm, that uh, usually there's a couple of faculty who are mentoring groups. Uh, usually I'm mentoring one or two as well. Uh, and uh, But I kind of have the paper side of things where uh, the faculty member for that group kind of handles the project. Uh, I'm kind of the, the point person for the general topics uh, and for how do we apply those in the research paper. Got it. Is there a teacher or a student that you've ever asked that changed your approach to teaching? Definitely both. Uh, I had uh, two faculty members in during my undergrad career uh, who were just absolutely amazing uh, and really stand out. I had uh, uh, Dr. Mary Jo Bona, uh, what really created a community in her classroom. Uh, it really made it just such a such an enjoyable and safe place to learn and to grow. Uh, and uh, also Dr. Agnes Ha, uh, I always saw her taking students' research ideas and just pushing them just a little bit deeper, uh, just into a little bit more of a complex idea, uh, and and then really supporting them to get there. Uh, and that's those are two things that I really strive to do in my own teaching. And my students constantly change my teaching. I really try to be very responsive and kind of keep an ongoing conversation about what's going on with them, what they need, uh, and how I can be supporting them. Uh, and, and there's uh, kind of little ways that that affects my teaching and also big ways. Most recently, I had a student who had uh, a disability uh, concern, particularly when we were kind of coming right into the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and made me realize I, I have a mobility uh, impairment and it made me realize that there's a whole different, uh, you know, whole different areas of disabilities that I really wasn't as aware of. Uh, and, you know, in terms of having image descriptions and captioning in my course materials. And so I've really, you know, completely started to focus that on that now. Uh, and really as a result of that student. 
Thank you. Let's talk a little about the changes that happened a year ago when COVID hit. How did you feel back in March 2020 when we had to move to remote teaching? prepared. Uh, and then I started really realizing how much my students were being impacted by things uh, and kind of that kind of compounded with my own feelings about the pandemic and how, you know, I myself was being affected uh, and really, you know, just being aware. And I'm a very empathetic person. And so I really was struggling, honestly, with kind of the emotions and, and really the weight of how do I support them, you know, through this whole scenario? How do we, how do we get them through the semester successfully? You're learning what they're supposed to learn you know, while, while really being, you know, caring and making sure they have what they need when there were so many other struggles that were, were going on at the time. And so still, what did you do? What did you do differently? Um, well, the first thing I did was I did send out a survey to my students to kind of find out, you know, what kind of tech setup they had. Did they need anything, you know, in terms of, you know, did they, you know, anything, you know, economically, or did they have, you know, food somewhere to stay, you know, just everything. Uh, and uh, the students really responded to that. And that really caused me to kind of shift my whole plan. Uh, initially, I was thinking that I was going to do synchronous classes. Uh, the students you know, really seemed just with their tech setup and the way you know, everything in their lives were going, uh, that some, something asynchronous was really going to be more helpful. Uh, and also at the time was going to make it easier for me to uh, allow for captions uh, for the lectures. And um, so I kind of started uh, kind of re rehauled the whole plan uh, to kind of integrate uh, both synchronous and asynchronous elements, uh, just to make sure that they got what they needed. Wow, that, that was a lot of work. It was, but it was worth it. And the students really responded more than anything, you know, not only to, you know, my teaching and to, you know, have, but just to know that I was listening to them and that I was taking that into consideration made, you know, such a, that rapport makes such a difference and at any time, but especially in those kinds of challenging times. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Um, can you tell me more about how it was synchronous and asynchronous? How did you split it? What did you do in each modality? So the most important thing uh, was I wanted to make sure that the, the main content of the course uh, was available asynchronously uh, because I did have some students who were not really going to be able to make it to class uh, necessarily as regularly, you know, in, in real time as they might normally if we were in person. Uh, and I also wanted to make sure that those uh, those lectures were captioned uh, really well and really accurately. Uh, and so I wound up uh, pre-recording all of those lectures, uh, posting them on YouTube because at the time it was the easiest way for me to uh, get those auto captioned and then be able to go in and edit those captions for accuracy. Uh, but then I still held class during our normal time. Uh, and I kind of, I kept saying them, you know, it's, we're kind of going to have the first 10 minutes of class like normal. Uh, and so it was time for us to check in for me to hear what was going on with them, keep them up on announcements, you know, what's coming up, uh, you know, what do we have to get done uh, over this next week or so. And also to really take a lot of questions uh, that might have come up about assignments or course content. Uh, and then I would just kind of stay in the Zoom window. Uh, some classes, that was kind of all it was. Uh, and then they could, you know, they could have watched the lectures ahead of time. They could have watched them after. Uh, they could watch them during that period uh, and ask me questions, you know, as they came up and just, you know, pause the video and uh, come out and ask a question. And then other class activities uh, where we would get together. Uh, again, it was uh, very writing intensive. Uh, that was the research uh, research methods class. Um, so we did some peer reviews and also had individual times for the students to meet with me uh, specifically about their research uh, paper draft. So I'm going to take a flying guess here that you probably <laughs> asked your students towards the end of the semester how it went for them. How did yes. they respond? 
Uh, they, their feedback to me was that they felt really supported. Uh, they, uh, I had one student uh, actually who commented uh, that he, uh, that he or she uh, felt that it was a team effort once the pandemic started, um, that we kind of, we all banded together kind of to get through the situation together. Uh, and to me, that was just made me feel so grateful that that came across to them uh, and that that's how they felt. Uh, we, my goal was really for us to exercise a lot of grace with each other. Uh, I also got sick uh, for a little while uh, that uh, during that semester. Uh, and I kind of, I threw out kind of all of my typical late assignment point deductions. Uh, you know, I really focused on, you know, allowing, allowing the students to breathe a little and focus on the quality of their work uh, and not just kind of, uh, you know, going along our, our normal schedule, like nothing was happening. Uh, and I think they really, they really did respond to that. And I was, so grateful that that we all kind of had that experience together. And then we found out that we were going to stay remote in the fall. And so it wasn't midstream, it wasn't temporary anymore. Did you make any more changes as we went to the fall? Yes. Yeah. I spent a lot of the summer uh, trying to you know, get things together. Um, Dr. Melissa Yui uh, in my department and I all were specifically working on getting our statistics class uh, ready for uh, remote and hybrid learning. Uh, and so uh, we had uh, a nice little uh, amount of time to really be able to work on that uh, and also you know, supported uh, you know, through the College of Arts and Science and our dean. Uh, and uh, so I really was working to you know, create a lot more. Um, the statistics class in particular is very hands-on. Uh, I usually spend, I would say, about a third of the time lecturing, uh, a third of the time is group work, uh, and a third of the time is me kind of you know, walking around the class and making sure people are doing example problems and uh, I'm answering any questions. Uh, and so uh, to try to make that happen in a remote setting was a bit of a challenge. Uh, but uh, I had gone to uh, a kind of couple of hours of a little bit of a workshop uh, talk on kind of using Google Drive on the different uh, aspects of the Google suite in kind of more hands-on kinds of le uh, learning, specifically looking at gamified learning. Uh, but uh, I'm, you know, most of how I've implemented it is just kind of a little more fun, a little more interactive. Uh, and so I used a lot of uh, those kinds of activities that I created mostly in Google Slides uh, so that students can kind of manipulate things, uh, text boxes and matching activity where they can actually drag the boxes you know, closer together rather than just you know, A, B, C, D. And uh, that mostly, mostly things uh, really came together and it uh, a lot of breakout room work uh, and uh, trying to make sure the students are still able to apply the concepts and we're not just passively uh, taking in that content. Nice, nice. And did, um, did they like it? It seemed it, that was basically the feedback that I had gotten. Yes. Yeah. It seemed that uh, things they, they still felt like they were getting what they needed in order to learn. They were getting that practice. Uh, they were getting, you know, the, the time to interact with each other. I feel like we, you know, I did start using the discussion boards more as well. So they could still get to know each other and the students uh, when we were hybrid, even, you know, the students who were coming in person still got to know the students who were remote and vice versa. Uh, and so I think we, we still created that rapport. They still got lots of practice and, and got that support. That's great. So different question. Sometimes in class, there's this, this moment when everything just falls into place and it, it's almost like magic and you're engaged, the students are engaged and it's just transformative. Can you tell us about one of those moments? I, I'm thinking specifically remote or in person? Either anywhere, either anywhere, anytime. 
Um, I would say I, I had some of those moments when I, my first semester here teaching physiological basis of behavior, uh, I started trying to bring in a lot more, a lot more of a hands-on component. Uh, the course, you know, we're talking mostly in that course about how the brain works, how the endocrine system works. It's not stuff that we can, we can really tangibly see. We can see the behavior, but we can't see the brain part of it. Uh, and so I really was trying to find ways to make this more hands-on. Uh, and so one of the things uh, I had done was we did a, I had sp- saw somewhere uh, an activity that was a gummy bear dissection. Uh, so uh, we <laughs> I had plastic knives uh, and gummy bears uh, in for the students uh, and everyone got a couple of gummy bears and they had to uh, make sure to, you know, cut them down the, the planes uh, of, you know, so that we could uh, talk about the, the sagittal and the, uh, all the uh, different uh, you know, planes of dissection and uh, you know, so they could write on their on their loose leaf, uh, you know, which which plane, uh, and cut their gummy bear in the proper proper way. Uh, and so then, uh, and that was, they were when I took out the gummy bears from my bag, they just kind of looked at me. And there's this moment about like, what are we doing? Uh, why? I mean, sure, gummy bears, why not? Um, but uh, but I kind of but I had this kind of series of different activities with that particular class that semester where they just knew that, you know, I was going to take, it was like, I was Mary Poppins or something. I was going to take something out of my bag that wasn't going to make sense. Um, but, but they got it and they got to practice it. They got to eat some gummy bears <laughs> and, and it was really something that was completely out of left field, but it got their attention probably because they thought I was crazy, but I'm okay with them thinking I'm crazy if it's going to help them. Uh, and it's going to get us all into the activity. Well, Gummy bears are small. We're talking micro dissection here. Yes, yes. <laughs> but really no no ethical problems. And <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, how did that change what you did in other classes? That... That was, uh, again, that was one of the first classes that I taught here. Uh, and and it really just, I mean, it's it's that kind of addictive feeling of they're excited about this. I'm excited about this. And I'm, I'm very open about the fact that, you know, they might think I'm crazy. It's probably a little bit true. I'm a big nerd. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I encourage that. And I'm really uh, ridiculously passionate about things, especially when I'm talking about the brain. Um, and it's just that addictive thing when they start getting into it, it's like, okay, how can I make this happen again? Um, and so that really, that was what really spiraled. You know, typically I, I used a lot of videos in my teaching. I lectured a lot. Uh, and that's really specifically when I was like, okay, we got to do things that are more hands-on. I have to bring in props. <laughs> so as we move into a post-COVID world, what do you think, thinking about all the changes you've made in the last year, what will stick? What do you think you'll be able to keep? I hope uh, there's a couple of things that I hope will will keep. Uh, and I hope that, I mean, really, you know, just thinking about how I felt last spring when we were going remote and, and over the summer trying to be more creative, trying to really listen to my students and, and find creative ways to support their needs. Uh, and I hope we don't lose that. I hope we don't lose the listening and the empathy uh, and I hope, you know, and the grace that we allow, uh, you know, not that, not that the bar moves, uh, but that, you know, that bar stays high, but we just find new, better, more creative ways to help our students reach that bar. Um, and, and I, so I hope that the creativity stays. I hope the grace and the empathy stay. Uh, and I hope also some of the flexibility stays, you know, we've had, you know, everyone had to be remote. And so we went remote. Um, you know, I know 
as an undergrad, you know, I had some required 8 a.m. classes on and with some of my you know, physical issues that was sometimes difficult. Uh, and so I hope that some of that flexibility stays that if you know, a student has a real situation uh, that that, you know, it would be easier for them to attend at times remotely. I hope that's that's possible, maybe in, in our post covid world. Right. Certainly the classrooms are all set up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was really caught by what you said about the Google activities where the students in the room and the students who were remote were engaging with each other. That's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't. We had we had some of that uh, where where students were in person and remote uh, and engaging. Uh, some of that was on uh, using was using Google, the Google Suite. Uh, some of that was was also just using the Zoom chat. I encouraged the students in the classroom to still sign into Zoom, uh, and this way they could be a part of the the chat. Uh, and also using the discussion boards on Canvas. Uh, and this way, you know, we really. You're trying to build rapport, trying to, you know, we're maybe we're talking about a course concept, but how can I, you know, ask a question when I was teaching measurement concepts, we're talking about testing. Well, almost all of the students, you've know, all gone through some sort of testing. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's for a job. Maybe that's just taking the SAT or the ACT, you know, talk about your experience with with testing. And this way we're talking about stuff in a course relevant way. But I'm I'm learning more. I'm being more active and you know engaging by connecting it to my own life. I'm in, you know, interacting with other people, and it was just a really nice opportunity to kind of learn as a group, discuss as a group, and and also dig into empathy. Oh wow, that was a really hard situation that you were in, and you know, and kind of all of these things coming together at once. I'm going to ask people to unmute and open room for questions if there are. I don't have a question. I have a little more of a comment for Nicole. We've obviously been very, very happy to have her join us and take charge with some of this technology that we've needed now in this time. But um, in, when we were remote last March in her research class, it, that's probably the busiest time in the research class because they were gearing up to finish their projects that are they're required to present at source every year. And then we found out that source was canceled. So it could have been easy for Nicole to just say, okay, well, it's canceled, sorry. But instead she may, she wanted the students to have that experience. They were weeks away from having it. And so she's still organized our own little department kind of symposium. So the full-time faculty were there and students, you know, students in the groups, if they wanted to invite anybody, they could have, and they still were able to present all of their work and still get graded, you know, because part of their grade is their oral presentation of their work. And so, you know, they were still able to do that. And I think the students appreciated it because they worked all semester and in a few weeks they were supposed to have been doing it and they were. And now this year's um, source is going to be virtual. So they'll be able to present in a bigger forum. But, you know, it was nice that they at least had that chance to still do it instead of, you know, everything just falling apart. So we were happy about that. Thank you, Maria. That means a lot to me. Yeah. I, I didn't want the students to lose that opportunity. I was trying to make it as I know you saw, I was trying to make it as official as possible for them with a little program and try to try to have them have as much of the real thing as as possible. 
Right. And I think they appreciated that too, because they worked really hard. You know, people don't realize how hard it is to come up with an idea. It has to go through IRB approval. Um, they have to do their lit reviews, run the subjects, analyze the data, put it into a report, put it into PowerPoint, present it all in one semester. It's almost impossible. <laughs> Somehow we do it every every year, but um, and then bring COVID into it. Mm-hmm. It, it was a, a a big undertaking. So absolutely, we, and they work so hard. Uh, so yeah, I wanted them to get. And as it much got of them a- to practice with the technology too. You know, exactly. they had to figure out Zoom and sharing their screens and PowerPoints and taking turns speaking because they weren't in the same place. You know, so it all worked out nicely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. They did all the work. They should get some of the fanfare. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we try to close out these conversations with recommendations. Is there a particular app or a technology tool that makes your teaching better, makes the students learning better, makes your work easier? In the classroom, uh, in person, I would say usually pull everywhere. Uh, I use that very, every class really. I ask lots of participation questions that are kind of low stakes opportunities for the students to to test themselves uh, and gauge their own learning and help me gauge their learning. And also sometimes we have competitions to make it a little bit more fun. Uh, Online, uh, Google Slides. I really just loved having the opportunity to put things into a slide and have students, whether it's shapes or text boxes or something else and have the students individually or together in a breakout room, be able to move those things and just kind of learn in a, in a different, more active way uh, and something that maybe they're not as used to. Uh, so that's a little more attention grabbing, a little more hands-on. Thank you. So I'm going to thank everyone for joining us today. We've been speaking with Nicole Kalmarvadin, Assistant Professor of Behavioral Sciences in the College of Arts and Sciences as part of our great teaching series. And Nicole, thank you so much for spending time with us, for sharing these great stories. Um, I'm never going to look at a gummy bear the same way again. (laughs) (laughs) This conversation's been recorded, and we will be posting it on the Center for Teaching and Learning webpage, nyitwdu slash ctl. Um, If you'd like to be featured in the great teaching series, please email, or if you'd like to tell us about someone else who should be featured, please email ctl at nyt.edu or better yet, uh, please put your nomination into the form at https bit.ly slash great teaching. Thanks so much. Thank you.